One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. Word became flesh and the light shined among us in his glory. Oh 
make this morning? I'm getting ready for the coming of the King. I'm getting ready for the coming of the King of Kings. Oh, I'm getting ready for the coming of the King. Coming down, He's coming down for you and me. You and me. Let's do that again. Oh, I'm getting ready for the coming of the King. I'm getting ready for the King of kings, oh, I'm getting ready for the coming of the king, coming down, he's coming down for you and me, you and me. I've seen old John's revelation. is the king oh i'm getting ready for the coming of the king i'm getting ready for the coming of the king of kings oh i'm getting ready for 
Church, are you ready? is the king cause I'm getting ready for the coming of the king I'm getting ready for the coming of the king of kings so oh, I'm getting ready for the coming of the king coming down he's coming down for you and me you and me you and me church you and me a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give. It's by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are not a God
crowned with glory 
you to turn, if you got your Bible, to the 17th chapter of Acts. Begin to read something this week, came to my heart about it after I began to read it because I wanted to, uh, I know that what was in my spirit was after I began to read this because I felt like the Spirit of God began to talk to me about it after I started reading it. But I want to talk to you a minute about the Apostle Paul. Number one, today we live in a day and an hour where sometimes if you've got any age on you at all, you know it's a strange time. There's things going on that you thought people did in the closet or in secret, but they're out open with it. They're passing laws, changing our country, doing a lot of things that we probably as children of God know it's something wrong, something seriously wrong in our nation. I cannot put it off on lost people. I have to put it back where I read God's word and I realize we're so far, we're getting so far away from God's word. We're getting far away from things. And I can tell you right now, those things are obvious to a lot of people. I am shocked sometimes of what people believe. Aren't you? Aren't you shocked at what they live by and what their philosophies of life are? Because I can tell you right now, they're far away from what God has said. And you've got to listen to what's being said because if you don't pay close attention, the enemy is sneaking in and destroying lives. He's destroying your thought patterns. He's making you, you were created in God's image. You're, a lot of you are in the image of your parents. They may, you may look like them, but God made you an individual and you have that hole in your heart that needs to be filled by God because God allowed you to come into this life. And he's looking to bring you to him and to bring you to mold you and make you like his son. And that's the goal of every single person that's born in it. God's not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance. I want you to listen to the 17th chapter. I'm going to skip through the first part to get to where I'm going, but it starts out, Paul is preaching at Thessalonica, they call it. And I want you to look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. 
Now, you know what? Sometimes you have to get out and you have to tell somebody who Jesus really is because they're using false doctrines. They're using false Christ. They're claiming Christ just loved everything. Christ loved people and knew they were lost and he never played a game with your sin. He never said, oh, you're all right in your sin. Just be all, you'll be all right. No, he, he came to deliver you from your sin. And that's what we know that here, but yet at the same time, I'm going to repeat it. Because I look at the Apostle Paul, and I think about the times of the change. You've got to understand, Paul is only going to live about 30-something years, 33, 34 years past Jesus Christ. So you've got to understand the years, the, the few times, the very short time of his life to bring the gospel. When God uh, reached down and touched him and showed him the truth of the word of God and he began to see Christ and who he was, he couldn't shut up about it, Carl. He had to go tell somebody. He had to go tell somebody. Did you know it's our job to go tell somebody? That's the call upon every person. You ain't, it ain't how good the preacher is. It ain't how good the songs are, the singers are. It's the spirit of God in you as you go into this world. And this is what I liked about Apostle Paul. You cannot shut him up. He was outnumbered if you'd say it because there wasn't that much of the gospel being preached when Apostle Paul started on his missionary journey. And here he is on his second missionary journey. He goes to this town of Thessalonica. And he opens and alleges that Christ must needs have suffered. He's trying to explain. See, everybody else thought Jesus is already gone. They killed him. The Romans thought we done away with that. A lot of the uh, Greeks and a lot of those uh, that weren't Jewish, they all thought it's over. He's dead. He's gone. But can I tell you some? The message is just beginning. The story is just beginning. The telling is just beginning. And it says here, verse, look down at verse 5. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city in an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. What's he, what are they doing? The Jews don't like you to bring up something that they might have made a, made a mess of. See, they took the very Son of God and the heads of the Jewish people, the, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, they rejected him and they took him to the courts and had him crucified. And they don't want you to bring him back up. They don't want to hear it. Do you know America don't want you to bring up Jesus Christ? They don't want you to talk about him. But can I tell you something? There's power in his name. There's power in what he has done. Not that we're somebody. It's he is still somebody. He has won that paid the price. And if there's a tomorrow for any country, it's going to be in Christ. And if there's a tomorrow for you, it's going to be in Christ. But Paul goes on in verse 10. He says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Paul leaves Thessalonica 
because they're coming after him. They've arrested this Jason. He was one that received their group when they came into Thessalonica. But when it got get to, getting to where they began to arrest, they told uh, Paul to go on down to the Berea. Berea, if you look on your map, is not that far from Thessalonica. Okay, so Paul just goes on down. Some of them stayed there and dealt with it. They did not keep Jason in jail, but they arrested him. And it goes on down in verse 13. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was being preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither and also stirred up the people. Somebody's stirring up the gospel, but somebody's stirring up trouble. Did you know if they find out that you're wanting to hold a revival, they'll do everything in the world to stop you. They'll stop you. If you try to hold a revival down in the city of Loveland, I'm going to tell you something you can't get across. The churches will stand against you. I'm sorry to tell you. Because they don't want to hear about Christ. They don't want to hear about conviction. They don't want to hear about the real truth of the word of God. And it goes on in verse 14. Then immediately the brethren sent away Paul from Berea now to go as it were to the sea. They put him out on the boat, but Silas and Timothy abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him to Athens. Athens is from Berea is way down on the coast. You go all the way down. They're getting him far enough away that these Thessalonica Jewish people that didn't want him to say anything, he, they're putting him farther away from them. But it says, And receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timothy for to come to him with all speed they departed. Look down at verse 16 now. This is where I want to start. It says, Now when Paul waited for them at Athens... His spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. And certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. I want you to see that word, encountered him. Every, you know, every child of God is called to, to speak the word of God inside of you. Give your testimony of what Jesus has done in you. Because if he's done a miracle in you, guess what? There's been an encountering. I want you to hear that word because it's going to come up again. But I want you to understand something. They encountered against him. But Paul was stirred up. He was stirred up inside when he saw. Now, Paul's been going on these missionary journeys and he's trying to preach the gospel. But a lot of times he went into places like the synagogue and he was still trying to get it across because you know why? God wanted him to continually remind Israel they missed the Savior. He wanted to lay that in their lap, like it or not. You know why? Because the day would come when God would give Israel that second chance. And he, it will be always recorded that the gospel was not only brought to them, but they were reminded of their mistake that they were wrong. But until we admit that we're wrong, we can't get forgiveness. Okay, it says certain philosophers. 
these Epicureans. The Epicureans were people that sought pleasure to be happy. Now, I want you to think about the day we live in. People seek for, seek for pleasure. If they ain't in the pleasure spots, they don't want to, they're not happy. They're not happy. If they go to work, they want to go where everything's handed to them, money's just coming in like crazy, and everybody wants to party like they do. They're looking for pleasure everywhere they go. How many know some people's got that philosophy? If you're going to talk about sad things, I just don't want to talk to you. Let me tell you something, another life is what we talk about. If I weren't brought humbly before God, I wouldn't have a testimony to tell you. Jesus came to my soul and told me I was lost. That's how I got saved. The Holy Spirit began to convict my heart. And if you've never been down the path I'm talking about, because it ain't different for you than it is for me, you're going to have to encounter the Lord. How I many here's what I'm saying? You're going to have to encounter him yourself. It's personal. But these philosophers, these Epicureans were people that sought for pleasure to be happy. The Stoics, they were the ones that, that said man's a part of the universe. They just believed everything was a part of God. If, if you want to hug a tree, hug a tree. You want to hug your animal, hug your animal. I'm sorry, but can I tell you something? God made man in his own image. The rest of it was made for man. For man to live in this earth. But we have made it all to a place to where if you listen to our professors in the colleges and our young people are raised under what they're telling today, it's anti-God. Let me tell you about global warming. Let me tell you about uh, all the things that's happened across our uh, world 40 million years ago, this happened. And 20 million years ago, that happened. And I can tell you right now, there was none of them there. And whoever's book they read that told them that, they weren't there. Right. I mean, here's what I'm saying. You're going to either make up your mind, you're going to pick up this Bible and stick with what this Bible says, or somebody's going to lie to you, and somebody's going to give you their philosophy about what's going on in America and how we're lived. You know what? They redefine America. I've said it before. They want to make America this great diversity. Just bring your flag, bring your God, bring everything in there. Well, let me tell you something. That's exactly what's going on right here. When Paul got into this area of Athens, Athens at that time was kind of a city going downhill a little bit. They used to be famous, but now they weren't the head of Greece of Corinthians was more of a greater city than, than Athens was. But years ago, and listen to this, you all heard this in your history stories, but you hear about Aristotle and you hear about Plato and all these philosophies. They happened about 400 years before Christ. And they begin to write all these philosophies and give all of these ideals of what really happened. Oh, I know, it's, it's, it was a big boom theory. It was this theory, it was that theory. They began to come up with all kinds of things, including the aliens. The aliens did it. Who built the pyramid? Must have been the aliens. 
We didn't have machinery to build them, put them big old stones on top of each other. Listen to me, young people. It may not make sense to you. You may say, oh, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. No, God has done things that he's trying to tell you, stay out of listening to what man is telling you because man is giving you an alternate to what who God is. And as long as you keep listening to what they say, you're going to have to go through this life and it is going to infect you with what they got. They are trying their best to infect our nation to all the Christians step back and don't say nothing. I'm going to tell you something. Paul showed up to this little town by himself and he couldn't keep his mouth shut, couldn't keep his ears out of what's being said. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Christian, where are we at? I'm going to tell you something. When somebody rattles off something and it's wrong in your ear, speak up. Be nice, love people, but still speak up. Don't be ashamed of this very gospel that Jesus Christ died for and these apostles died for. They brought us the truth of the word of God. Otherwise, Jesus came in vain. We talk about this time of Jesus so sweetly came, humbly came in a manger. But yet, we're stepping upon this very gospel when we refuse to speak what we claim he has done in us. He's done a great and mighty miracle. There's a miracle inside of you. You couldn't even, you didn't even know you were that lost until Jesus showed up. And all of a sudden he began to reveal to you. And all of a sudden this tough guy you were, all of a sudden was humbled and afraid. But Jesus moved in. And he gave me eyes to see and ears to hear. Listen. These philosophers encountered him and some said, what will this babbler say? They're they're picking on Paul. And and others, some said, he seems to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. See, you show up and preach Jesus to somebody and talk about the end time and talk about the rapture of the church coming, and I'm going to tell you something. Most of them that you're in front of don't want you to say it. I don't care what, what committee you showed up in front of. I don't care what group you show up in front of. They don't want you to get serious about talking about conviction or talk, allowing the Spirit of God to speak through you. And it says in verse 19, And they took him and brought him unto Arapachus, which is their supreme court kindly at that time. What they did is they took every new thing that came and they would bring it to this Arapachus group, which was like a court, and they would go through all of the understanding of everything they knew about it to see if it was something legit or not. But I'm going to tell you something. Athens had about 10, they estimate about 10,000 people at the time of Christ. That's how much the population of it went down. But there was over 30,000 idols standing in there. More idols than there were people. That's all they did was talk about all the things and all of the beliefs and all of the false teachings and the philosophies. Did you know where democracy came from? Came from right out of that stuff. Yeah. You think I'm putting down our country? I'm not. 
I'm going to tell you something. We didn't have, democracy don't save us. Jesus Christ, they called us to be a Christian nation. That's what we're standing on. That's the glue that holds us together. You take us out of Christ, and I can tell you right now, America's fallen. Because we've decided Christ don't belong in our country. The gospel don't belong here. They're trying their best to shut us up. They're trying their best to steal our young people. Listen to me, adults. They're trying to steal your young people. You want to know where all this stuff's coming from? It's coming from what they're teaching our young people in the schools. And we knew it was there. We just ignored it because we thought, oh, that'll never go over. But it's going over because you're taking innocent minds and innocent hearts and you're indoctrinating them with it. That's why our young people get to an age. They get to an age where they're out of school. Mom and dad don't tell them to go to church no more. What do they do? They find somebody else believes something different, and they begin to scoot that way just a little bit. I'm going to have fun while I'm young. I'm going to do what I want to do. The, the philosophers say, or the professor says, we don't need that anyway. That's just an old book. You know what? You have, when you experience Christ, you can run all over this whole world and you can be 99 years old, but one day you're going to wish you was back with the presence of God. Because I'm going to tell you something, that's what's holding you. That's what gives you life eternal. That's what is going to cleanse your soul and give you and prepare you to be taken in the bride. You know what? There is one of the greatest lies that come out of hell was this one. That you're okay in your sin. And that's what our world lives by. You what? You got a sin? Well, everybody's got a sin. Don't worry about it. Everybody's okay. Everybody's going to heaven. And I can tell you right now, that ain't what my Bible says. Read it for yourself. You don't believe me. Search it for yourself. The Bible says in Matthew 7, it talks about there's a straight and narrow and few there be that find it. Few. Just a few. I want God to take us all. I don't want to turn around and wave goodbye to one of my loved ones. When God comes back, and he's coming back, Jesus is coming for his church. It's written in there. I don't want to turn around and say goodbye. See, what I know I have, I've got to give it to somebody. i got to share it with anybody who is looking for Jesus. Who is looking for hope for tomorrow? They took him that in saying, may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. Now look at verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. What in the world did he say that for? That's a strange word to be in the Bible. He said too superstitious. That means you have a belief or a practice resulting from ignorance. Can I tell you? To me it's ignorance what these professors are putting out that they expect you to believe. 
Uh, you can tell me all day long that it was a big boom theory and it, and it all happened. You can tell me about evolution. You can tell me we came from monkeys because a monkey you can smile at and he'll smile back at you. And they say, oh, see, we should, we're, we're just like the monkeys. And I'm saying, you know what? You lost your mind. Your philosophy is lost. You're barking up the wrong tree, and whoever you're listening to, I don't care what their scientific proof is, and there is no scientific proof against God. It won't work. God is the truth. You'll make up your mind, I need the truth, and he will tell you the truth about yourself. He won't toil with you. He will not tell you you're okay in your sin. He'll tell you to repent. He'll tell you, my son paid your price. Come to my son. And what's he saying? He's saying you need an encounter with God. You need an encounter with Christ. Isn't that a beautiful thing? See, it really all comes down to it wasn't wasn't nothing good in me. It wasn't nothing good in any of us. It was because he said whosoever will. And you came and you accepted him. When you began to be convicted, you came and you accepted him. And now you're a child of the king. You are a citizen from above, waiting for our Savior to blow a trumpet and say, come up. Too superstitious. They are people that trust in magic or chance. Listen to this. Me and Dave years ago went on vacation. Me and Dave and Jane and Shirley went out west. We went to the Bonanza. How many of you have ever seen the Bonanza show? We went to the Ponderosa. <laughs> yes, we did. Went right inside. Got a little tour. Did you know them stairs that go upstairs and that show? Did you know they don't go nowhere but to a little closet up there? There ain't no upstairs. <laughs> yeah, hate to blow your bubble, but. <laughs> we went out there. And me and Dave and Jane and Shirley stood there in a, in a little town right next to it, a western town. And they were doing shows and little, you know, shoot-up shows and all that stuff. Here comes a guy out with a nice horse. Boy, that's a beautiful horse. Me and Dave were standing there watching this guy. Cowboy had his cowboy hat, had his big rope. He jumped up on that horse and he's throwing his rope all over the place and jumping through it, in and out of it. Then he said... I know David remember. He said, did you know my horse is so smart he can tell children their age? Me and Dave was just watching him. Dave, you remember this. The guy with the horse out west. He, he, <laughs> Dave said after it was over, he said, I got to go find out how that guy did that. <laughs> but we're standing there and this man standing there with his hand on the back of his horse, on his mane. And the little kids were coming out from the group. And he'd look at his horse and he'd call it by name. And he'd say, how old do you think that little guy is? He'd look at the horse and the horse his head. He said, now he'll take his hoof and he'll hit the ground. And you count how many times he hit. And that's how old that kid is. And he said the horse had the horse looking up and down the kid. And the horse went, counted eight times. And the guy looked. Said he says you're eight years old. Little boy said I am eight years old. It was it was fantastic. I mean he did this with about four or five kids in a row. Got them all right. You guys remember? I know. 
So Dave said, I got to find out how that guy did that. We went over there and heard a guy said, you see my hand? I had it in that mane. Every time I do this inside that hairy mane, that horse would do that with his hoof. I taught him. And he said, so it was me giving you that. But he said, that horse, everybody thought that horse was the smartest horse in the world. <laughs> How many knows that's kind of a trick, isn't it? People like magic and they like funny things like that. Some will tell you if you walk under a ladder, uh-oh. Some will say deaths come in threes. Yeah. Some will say if you break a mirror, you're going to have seven years of bad luck. How many knows these are, these are superstitious things? I had a guy tell me, and I told Shirley, I was up at the, I go up to Home Buys. It's a store up in Dayton. It's a joke, kind of, but that's where we will. We go up to, to everybody, Shirley likes to shop up there. So we go up to Dayton, and on a Mondays, a lot of times, we eat breakfast and go over there, and I go in there and talk to this colored fella. He's a black guy. He's about, I guess, 60 years old. He's younger than me, but he turns... And he wants me to come over and sit down. He's putting stuff together all the time, furniture and different stuff. He come over here and let's, let's talk. So he wants to talk to me. He looked at me and he said, and you might have never heard this. I didn't hear it before. I told him. He looked at me and says, my, he told me how mean his dad was. He said, my mom was a pretty good mom, but my dad was mean. He was nasty. He was, he was rotten to us kids. And uh, he said, and when he died, when, he, when my mom died and he got sick, who took care of him? me he's he's trying to tell me he's he's a good man and he's gonna make it to heaven because he's a good man but then he looked at me and he says you know my dad died with his eyes open if you die with your eyes open you'll go straight to hell that's what he said to me and I just looked at him and said I never heard of that in my life but he's looking at me with serious eyes he's sure as he's saying it he believes it you know people believes things just because somebody gives you a story on it, gives you a superstitious story, I don't know if there's aliens. I don't really know if there are. But can I tell you something? They made a movie not too long ago, and I'm terrible about it. I should never bring up probably movies up there in this stage, but I'm going to tell you something. This hit me this week. God spoke it to my mind. I know it's real. He said when I woke up, my, on my mind was Close Encounters. Close Encounters. Mark, you've seen the movie. Close Encounters are the third kind. And I thought, what in the world is that about? Lord, I don't know what you're telling me. He said, everybody needs a close encounter with me. How many years that? If you haven't had a close encounter with Jesus, that's what I'm preaching to you today. You need to have an encounter with him because the world is going to come against him and to come against you and they want you to die like they are or be in the same shoes they are. And I can tell you, you don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve salvation. I never earned one day of it. But can I tell you, Jesus died for me to have an encounter with my heavenly father. He died to bring us to the father. A close encounter. And then I got to thinking, what is a close encounter of the first kind? 
If this is the third kind, what's the first kind? First kind's probably one of those deals where, oh, I saw something in the sky. It looked kind of, I've never seen nothing like that before in my life. We were talking about that the other day. Sometimes you see things, oh, that must be a, must be an alien, must be a, a flying saucer. A second one is something where it's probably following you around, maybe following an airplane around. They got film of it. But the close encounter of the third kind was when they actually landed and actually communicated with them. And now I'm going to tell you something. That's the encounter you need. That's the encounter we all need. We need a close encounter. We don't need to drive into the church and say, yeah, I went to church today. I did my duty. Yeah, I saw God move, but I'm too busy to change my life. Let me tell you something. You don't need them kind of close encounter. You need a close encounter. You need to come in and find who Jesus is. You need to let him get a hold of your heart and pull you to him and then find out what he wants from you. Let him speak to your heart. A true close encounter. I thought about Moses this week. He was keeping sheep for 40 years on the wrong side of the mountain, on the other side of the mountain. He had been raised under Pharaoh. But when he tried to stand up for the Israelites, the slaves that was being killed, they ran him off. They was going to kill him. And so he left and he went to the other side. He married Zipporah. He had a couple of kids. But here he is keeping sheep for 40 years. He's 80 years old keeping sheep. And one day he goes by the mountain of God with those sheep. And, that's, and he looks up, kid, and he sees that bush up there that's lit up. And he said, I've seen that bush up there, and I see it lit up. And I'm going to go and find out what it is. I'm going to find out what happened. Listen to this. It says, And Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and beheld, behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Now, here's a fire going on, but there's no cons it's not consuming the bush. And you know what? I believe that was the angel's job. I mean, here's what I'm saying. It says the angel of the Lord came. So the angel of the Lord, was job was, light up that bush and see what Moses will do. Because listen to what the next verse it says, and Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. It says God spoke to him out of the bush, not the angel. It's talking about God spoke to him. You know what? The Holy Spirit will draw you to him. But it is a relationship with God that you're after. Listen to me. You need something bigger than this world. You need something bigger than this body. Because this body's going to die. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how well you are. You can be very young. But you know what? Your days are numbered. You're facing death's door. 
And if you ain't got God on your side, you can't defeat death. It's never been happened yet. Only Jesus. It goes on to say, And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet. This is why I know it wasn't the angel of the Lord, Chris. He's told him out of the bush, he said, Take off your shoes. The ground you're on is holy ground. Angel wouldn't have said that to him, but God said it to him. God told him, you're on holy ground. Let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but this is an encounter. Praise God. You know, not all encounters where God calls you up and puts a bush burning over there and calls you that way. There's all kinds of different encounters. But the truth is, they all bring you to God. Whatever it takes for you to come to God, that's what he's after. says, put off thy shoes from off thy feet from the place thou stands holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon him, upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and their cry by reason of their taskmaster, and I know their sorrows. And I am come to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians, to bring them out of the land Unto a good land, talking about going uh, on down verse 9. It says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children is come to me, and I have seen the oppression wherein the Egyptians oppress them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee to Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Why did God do this? He showed up and he gave a special call to Moses. Because the first thing you find out after that is Moses starts whining. Christian, listen, quit whining. Quit murmuring, whatever you want to call it. Moses began to say, I can't talk. I can't go to Pharaoh. I can't. You know what? If anybody knew what it meant to go to Pharaoh, Moses knew. He was raised in that area. He knew all about it. But he's telling God, don't send me. I'm not, I'm not able to speak to him. I can't go there. And God began to tell him, I'll be with you. God showed him all those things. Let me tell you something. Whatever God does, when he encounters you, whenever he talks to you and tells you what to do, guess what? He will equip you to do it if it's his voice. Amen. Don't get some wild hair and run off on your own. Follow what the spirit of God and the true word of God is telling you. Because that's what Moses did. And it wasn't long because God finally said to him, well, I'll send Aaron your brother. I know he likes to talk. Basically what he said. And Aaron went with him, but Moses ended up doing most of all the talking, didn't he? Moses was the one that had the heart to lead the people out. He had the heart of God. He stood in the gap for them when they were whining and murmuring and complaining. He loved them. Listen to me. God's put you here for a purpose, but we're going to have to pay the price. We're going to have to speak up and say the truth. I'm not going to go back to, to what Paul wrote in Acts 17. I wanted to preach all of that, but I'm not going to because I want you to get this encounter part. Apostle Paul, 
he journeyed. The ninth chapter of Acts says Paul, when he, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecute. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me to do? How many knows? Paul got one of those standout encounters. It was an encounter like of the third kind or however you want to say it. But it was a close encounter. Here was Paul trying to destroy the church. Now Paul's given his life to bring the gospel. And what we read in that 17th was Paul on those journeys. He went on three different journeys and then he took a trip to Rome. But I want you to understand something in his heart. He was on a short time and he was trying to fit in every soul he could find to tell him about Jesus. Listen to me. God's looking for a people to use. He's looking for somebody to fall in love with him. He's looking for somebody to put their whole trust and their whole life into his hands. He wants to encounter you. He wants to have an encounter with you. Praise God. I love that. That just stuck all in me. Connie, that lit me up all morning. I kept thinking of that encounter because I remember when Jesus came to my soul and I was afraid and I didn't know what to do with myself and I kept telling myself I don't know how to pray. I would go to the altar, but I don't know how to pray. And the only thing I can remember saying was, Lord, I will. I got up, got on my knees at the altar, and I remember crying and saying, Lord, I will serve you. I will be your child. I will do what you want me to do. Didn't know what else to say. Just kept saying, I'm sorry, and I will serve you. God's waiting on somebody to reach out and say, Lord, I want to be in your lane. I don't want to be in the slow lane over here worrying about my own things, worrying about my stuff again. Your stuff's going to be left. Whatever you got, live for Jesus. Show people Jesus. When you read about Apostle Paul, you say to yourself, not that I could never be like Paul. Lord, I want to be like Paul. Say that. Lord, make me like the Apostle Paul. Make me strong enough to have strength to speak up, Lord. To have boldness to tell someone they need Jesus. Because you have no idea. We don't, I don't think Apostle Paul had no idea that his name would still be talked about like this. I don't think he had no idea that people would be quoting him to this day. Why? Because they saw somebody surrender their self to Christ. And they saw what God did in him. You have no idea. I tell you right now, God's big enough to change this world. He's big enough to change America. He's big enough to call the church back to repentance. He's big enough. He's strong enough. And all he needs 
He needs just a few that would be willing to speak up for him. That'll see what he's calling them to do and love people and tell them the truth. Go and tell. Not go and uh, show, not show and tell, but go and tell. Go and tell somebody what Jesus did in you. You begin to tell it. The more you tell it, the stronger you'll feel and the more God's spirit will be on you. Tell them what Jesus is doing. Becky, come on back up. In Romans, the 10th chapter, listen to me. How do I encounter God? How do I encounter him? Some of you say that, sit there and say, well, Paul, I, Paul got his encounter. Moses got his encounter. How do I encounter God? Listen to this. Paul said this in Romans. He said, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith. We need to have faith. The word of faith. If you will speak up and say, Lord, I believe you, and you will humble yourself before him, guess what? God's going to speak back to you. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How many knows salvation is what we're looking for? I can't save myself, but God, an encounter with God, an encounter through Christ to the Heavenly Father. I'm finding myself an encounter with my heavenly father. Who am I? Nobody. Lord, I'm nobody. Moses even said that. Who am I? Who am I, God, that you'd send me? Who am I to stand in front of you? Some of you have great testimonies. Don't let the enemy stomp you down. Listen, stand up for Jesus. You have no idea who you're going to witness to or who God's going to change by listening, by somebody listening to the Spirit of God speaking through you. It don't always come out smooth. It don't always come out that way. I talked to a guy one time, told this a long time ago. Talked to him for 45 minutes. He cried, told me all about how he needed to get saved. But when I asked him to pray, he said, oh, I couldn't do that. My wife don't go to the church you go to what he said to me. I said, I ain't talking to your wife. He said, yeah, but if I changed and went somewhere else, I'd break up our marriage. I tried to tell him. He was a young man. I tried to tell him, listen, you may be the only lifeline to Christ, and I'm not picking at what your wife believes. But when you know you need Jesus, you need to make that right in you. Nobody else can fix that for you. You can, you can be around church people all your life. That ain't going to get you there. You need to have an encounter with him. Praise God. Everybody stand if you will.
you need to pray, you come. God knows every heart. He knows every secret in your heart. He knows every sin you've ever committed. Yet you're here, and if the Spirit of God is speaking your name, come to Him. You ain't coming to us. You're coming to the Lord. That's what these altars are for, to have a door open to Jesus. We'll help pray with you. We can't save you, but He will save you.
planted in Christ shall